Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. Um, maybe uh, not all of you uh, are really into Valentine's Day. Maybe some of you think it's a conspiracy by all the card companies, you know, getting together and the chocolate people. But uh, some of you probably are into it. And, and uh, for others, I know it's a hard day. It's, it's one of those bittersweet days. Uh, but on this day, Valentine's Day, certainly a lot is, is uh, talked about, thought about, focused on in terms of love, right? It's kind of on everybody's mind. It's everywhere on this day. Uh, hearts and, and arrows everywhere. And uh, all the time, people have certain feelings and thoughts about love. I mean, people define love in different ways. They evaluate it differently. They think about it in different ways. But love is something that at the end of the day, everybody wants. Everybody wants to be loved. Uh, and how that is done that you know is looked at and thought about differently. The Bible talks a lot about love, right? It's, it's throughout its pages in many different ways, many different areas of focus. Uh, we certainly know that uh, God makes it very clear that we are to love Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And the theme of love is all throughout the Bible, telling us the importance of love, telling us who we should love, telling us how to love. But there's something else that is just as important as all of those other things, all those positive focuses on love, and that is what the Bible says about what not to love, what not to love. And we don't spend as much time on that truth and the importance of it as much as we should. I think. And so as we start this new series, Triple Threat, uh, we're going to really kind of lay the groundwork and we're going to introduce this series by talking about this first, about what not to love. What not to love. And 1 John 2.15 says this, and by the way, 1 John 2:15 through 17 is, is really the, the Scripture that's going to anchor this series. That's the, the Scripture that this whole series will be based on. But and in the first verse of that passage, 1 John 2:15, it says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. And literally, uh, that phrase there, what, what John, the Apostle John is saying here is, literally, love toward the world is not love toward the Father. It's, it's the idea of, of love toward the world versus love toward the Father. That's what he's expressing here. Um, and so, you know, our English language doesn't quite do the intent uh, of, of what he was saying justice. It's, it's toward, it's directional. Uh, it's really like a magnet. Think of a magnet, um, a magnet for your love, a magnet for your heart. Like, what is your heart, your affection, your love, your devotion, what is it being drawn to? What, what, am, I, what am I allowing my love my devotion to be drawn to. That's the idea here. Uh, if you think of, of your love and, and your affection and all of that, um, and, and like this big magnet that's pulling that, and that's constantly true. 
all throughout our lives, all throughout our experiences, our love, who we love, what we love, what we give our love to, what we give our devotion to, what we give our affection to. Church, it's constantly being drawn away by one thing or the other. And there's constantly this pull on our heart, on our deepest affections, on our deepest devotions. Constantly there. Constantly pulling at us. And so we have a choice to make. And and a very good question to ask ourselves all the time. What am I allowing, what am I choosing my devotion, my love to be drawn to? And the reason that's so important to ask and consider is because we give ourselves to whatever we give our love to. We give ourselves, our whole person, to whatever we give our love to. And that's always true. Now, that being said, obviously God is not telling us here not to love the people of the world. That is entirely not the point. We know that's true. I mean, God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His one and only Son, right? John 3.16. So certainly, God is not saying He does not love the people of the world, and, and nor would He ever tell us not to love the people of the world. Uh, that, that would be a complete contradiction, and that's not what is being said here. When, when John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, love not the world or the things in the world, that's not what he means. He's not saying don't love the people. Don't have any affection for people. Don't be burdened for the world. Don't let your heart be overwhelmed with the need of humanity for for God's love. That's not what he's saying. Certainly we need that to happen. We need to be overcome uh, with a sense of a burden for the lost in the world. So what is this about then? What does this mean? Love not the world. Well, what the Bible calls the world in this context and many other contexts throughout uh, the, the Scripture, especially in the New Testament, the world, let me, let me just give you my, my definition that I think is, is helpful. Uh, the world is a system centered around man and his wants instead of a system centered around God and His will. That, that's helpful for me as I look at the world and, and I see what God uh, is saying to me in His Word about the world. Uh, it's very helpful for me to understand it in that way, and I really believe uh, that is the intent as it refers to this. It's a system centered around man, exalting man, lifting up man and his wants, fleshly speaking, instead of being centered around God, instead of exalting Him and submitting to His, his will. Uh, so in that sense, that's, that's what John is instructing us here and challenging us uh, not to do. Don't love the world's system. Don't love what the world pushes. Don't love the world's agenda. And here's a, a really helpful passage that I think uh, sheds, sheds light on what is being challenge to us here in in 1 John 2.15. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, the Apostle Paul writing, and he says this to the church, to believers, you and me. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were spiritually dead. 
following, and here, here's the really important part of this passage as it relates to uh, 1 John 2.15 and, and loving not the world. He says, you are following the course of this world. The course of this world. The course that this world, as being apart from God, the world apart from God, the unbelieving lost world, they're on a course. They're on a path. They're on a certain heading. And it's a heading, it's a path, it's a course directly away from God. Um, one of my favorite video games, has been for a long time, is Mario Kart. Who loves Mario Kart? Yeah, you've got to love Mario Kart. Uh, it doesn't matter what system you have it on Mario Kart, it's always good. And uh, my, my son, Aiden, he, he got really into Mario Kart over the last couple years. And since he's downstairs, I can tell you, he's not very good. I mean, he loves it, and he's a lot of fun to play with on it, but he's just not very good. Here's what he, he constantly does. Poor guy. He constantly goes the wrong way. He's in his little you know, cart with his little Nintendo character, usually Mario. He's a Mario guy. And no matter what the course is, he's usually going the opposite direction. And on Mario Kart, when you do that, it's really helpful. There's this little guy that comes up in the cloud with this big uh, blaring alarm, and, it's, and it's, it's telling you, you're going the wrong way. And he flashes and follows you until you turn around and go the right way. Um, but Aiden just doesn't care. He just keeps on going the wrong way, the opposite course of what he's supposed to go on. And that's how, how, how this is working. That, that's what the Apostle Paul is, is writing, us, writing to us about, um, about the course of the world that we once followed. He's saying, Christian, born-again believer, you shouldn't be on the course you were on before. He said, you, you know, you once were on a certain course, and it was a course completely away from God. It was the opposite course of what God wanted you to be on. And that's the course you were on. But when, when the Holy Spirit awakened you and, and rose you to, raised you to life, when that happened, you were now on the right course. The right course. So it's the idea of these, these two courses, these two pathways. One goes this way. One goes that way. Completely opposite, and not just opposite. The course that is opposite of God, that the world is on, is also opposed to Him. It's not just opposite, it's opposed. It's a course of of opposites, and it's a course of opposition. That's the course of the world. And and here's what marks people who are on that course, uh, the course of this world. They follow, look at what else it says, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, actively at work in the sons of disobedience. That means that's referring to the unbelieving unsaved world. So this course that's opposite of God and opposed to Him is led by and and driven by none other than our great enemy, Satan. He's the captain of that course. And so if if you're not in Christ and you're not following Him, then you are automatically and by choice, active choice, on the course of this world that is going the complete opposite direction 
and is directly opposed to everything he is. And it's, it's driven and maintained by Satan himself. And he's the one that's at work in those that are on that course, the course of this world. That is not a course we want to be on, right? It's not a course we want to be on. And that is the course that underpins and, and flows through every aspect of our world. And come on, Christian, you, you don't have to look very far to see that, right? I mean, you don't have to look very hard to see that that's true as you look out into our world. I mean, our world is completely marked by that. The world system, I mean. The world's culture, the world's mandates, the world's agenda, the world's desires, every part of it runs completely contrary to the the will and the purpose and the desire and the heart of our God. Completely contrary to it. And because of that, what James 4.4 tells us in in typical uh, fashion of, of what James does in that blistering, blunt style, which... We just need, we just need that. I love James. Here's what he says that really serves as a companion to what Paul's talking about, and it, it really kind of reinforces what, what John is writing about in, in the passage we're, we're focused on as our, our core passage about loving not the world or the things in the world. Here's what James said, James 4.4, 4, You adulterous people, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world, and that word friendship, that really actually means partnership. Partnership. Don't you know that friendship or, or partnership, alignment with the world, remember we're talking about the system of the world, with the world system, with its way of doing things, is hostility toward God? Friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Don't you know that, he says? So, whoever wants to be, desires to be, gravitates toward, remember that magnet concept that I said? Gravitates toward the, whoever wants to do that with, with the world, whoever wants to be the friend of the world, becomes the enemy of God. It's like what Jesus said uh, when, when He said, no man can serve two masters. Either He's going to hate the one or He's going to love the other. There's, there's, no, there's no in-between there. There's no compatibility. You know, we, we understand compatibility, right, with tools or technology. Uh, whenever you're, you're trying to pair things together, then it needs to be compatible or you're, it's not going to work. It's not going to function. The same is true here as it relates to the world and us as people who are supposed to be in Christ. There's no compatibility between the, the children of God and the system of the world. You can't straddle the fence. You just can't. Eventually, you're going to fall off on one side or the other. A choice has to be made. It's one or the other. You're either aligned with God, standing apart from the world, 
and in opposition to it, or you are aligned with the world, standing apart from God and in opposition to Him. It's the only choice before us. It's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. It's not like the equal love we have for our kids, parents. Um, And if you have multiple children, uh, you know as well as I do what happens to me, has happened to me, and sometimes still does, um, happen to you, uh, where you have siblings that, that try to pit the other against one another, and so brother or sister will come up to you with the sister or brother standing there, and they want you to settle this age-old deep debate, right? That debate is, mom, dad, who do you love better? Which one of us do you love more? Come on, I, you, know, you know I'm your favorite. Um, and sometimes this extends to even when you have teenagers, where uh, a certain teenager will, will be convinced that uh, you're, they're, they're your favorite. You know? and, and they'll come up with all kinds of, of uh, really sneaky ways of trying to get you to admit what isn't true, that you have a favorite, but they'll try to get you to say that, you know. Uh, they'll, they'll say, it's okay, they're not here, they're not listening, you can tell me, it's all right. I, come on, we both know, we both know that I'm your favorite, right? And so siblings will try to do that. They'll, they'll try to, to get uh, mom or dad to, to admit that uh, they really love them more than their sibling. Um, and we always say, you say what I say, right? no. We love you equally. We don't love one of you more than the other. We love you all the same, completely. And we may relate to you in different ways, but we love you the same. And that is absolutely true. Um, It's not like that, though, when it comes to loving God or loving the world. There's, There's no equality there. You either love one or the other. You can't love both in terms of that that system you know, the world's agenda, uh, the world's way of doing things, the world's way of living. It's just not compatible. So all of that comes with what we're saying in the the first verse we looked at as we started, 1 John 2.15, love not the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I said again, I'll just remind you what I said earlier a few minutes ago, that's, that's a directional thing. Love toward the world is not love toward the Father. So all of this reinforces that, that principle, that concept, that reality. And because of that, verse 16 is so incredibly important. And because of all of that being true, everything we just said, because all that is true, verse 16 is true. Here's what 1 John 2.16 says. Here's the why. Here's the, the because. Here's why love toward the world is not love toward the Father. Here's why we are not to love the world. This is the, this is the, the because statement, okay? For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions, or the pride of life, that's another way of, of saying that. Some of your translations might say it that way. 
All of that, those three things, that triple threat is not from the Father, but is from the world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possession, the pride of life, which, by the way, make up everything in the world. Everything that's part of the the world system, everything that's part of the wickedness of the world comes back to that. You can see one or all of those things at any given point as you look at any aspect of the wickedness of our world. All that, that runs and drives the world's system, the world's way of living, the world's functioning, the engine has three parts to it. And it's always the same thing. It's always this. It all comes back to this. The engine that drives the world has in it three components. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the pride in one's possessions. Everything comes back to that. I mean, our enemy, he's not very original. But does he really have to be? I mean, yeah. It's, it works. It works on us. I mean, you don't fix what's not broken, right? So our enemy, um, he may not be very original, very unique, but we keep falling for the same trap, the same bait. So, I mean, hey, if it's working, keep on using it, right? So that's, that's what he does. And he might, he might customize this triple threat, you know, he might, he might make it a little bit more personal from person to person and customize it from one person to the next, but it still is going to come back to this. It's still going to come back to this. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next three weeks. Now, all that being said, I, I want to I make sure I point out something for you to, to understand. This does not mean that we just check out of the world. Okay? I mean, the world system is no good. The world system is wicked. The world system is dangerous. The world system is deadly. It is a constant triple threat on us and, and on our love for God and our devotion to Him. And it is something that we, we want to not gravitate towards. We want to gravitate away from. All that is true. But none of that means that we just check out of the world. None of that means we, we should live in extreme isolation, you know, like the Amish do. You guys know about the Amish? You know, they make really, really good stuff, good food, good craftsmanship that they have. I mean, their, you know, their, their tools and, and everything are, are remarkable. Um, I love going up to Pennsylvania, the, the Amish country there, or to Ohio, right above Cambridge, Ohio. Where's Dan Best? Yeah, yeah, Dan, Dan loves, loves that area too. Um, and there's a place there called the Der Dutchman. I think maybe, Dan, you know about the Der Dutchman? Awesome, awesome place. I mean, man, if you guys want to get away on a good weekend, um, and you stay in this nice hotel, there's this restaurant called the Der Dutchman. It's completely, totally Amish food. It's run by Amish people, and it's this massive buffet I don't know, maybe COVID shut that down too, but massive buffet of the best Amish food you can think of. Oh my goodness, it's incredible. Now you're starving, and you're welcome. So there's some good things the Amish 
do and contribute to. But one thing that I just, I just can't ever get with and, and be all right with is, is that isolationist mentality and philosophy, among other things. Well, there's other problems which we won't go into today. But, man, they just, you know, they isolate. They, they want to get away from the world. And the desire uh, might be um, sincere in that they want to distance themselves from what we're talking about today, the system of the world, the wickedness of the world, and I applaud that, but, but it's, it's taken to a, a wrong extreme. It's taken to a level that we're not called to take it to, that we're not instructed by God in His Word to take it to, uh, to just check out and to isolate completely. Uh, or, or like you know, monks do in a monastery, or, or nuns in a convent for all you ladies out there. That's not the answer. It's not the answer. Guard against the world's system. Love not the world or the things in the world. Yes, sure, absolutely. But, but don't just check out of the world. Don't isolate yourselves from it. That's not what we're called to. That's not the point of Christianity. Here's what Jesus himself said in John 17, 15, as he gave that great intercessory prayer, the Lord's Prayer. He said this as he prayed to his Father on behalf of the disciples, original ones and us today. John 17, 15, he says this, I am not, I am not praying that you take them out of the world. I'm not asking that, Father. I don't ask that you, you just take them out of the world. Rather, that you protect them from the evil one. And I would, I would add, and the triple threat that he constantly throws at us. I mean, that's, that's really what he's asking. That's what he's praying. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. I don't want you just to remove them I don't want you to take away their, their influence. I don't want you to take away their impact on the world that I want them to have. No, please leave them in the world. Use them in this, this world. And as you do that, please, Father, what I do pray is that you protect them. Guard them. Keep them from the evil one and his attacks and his strategies, his triple threat. They're going to encounter a triple threat in the world that they're, that they're loving and in the world that they're serving, in the world that they're impacting. They're going to be hit all the time, bombarded by a triple threat from the enemy. That's what I pray you keep them from, Father, but please don't keep them from the world. Christian, we can and must constantly choose to reject and fight against the world systems. And against love of the world. We have to constantly choose to reject that. Constantly choose to fight against that. But we, we cannot reject love for the world. You, you get me on that? You following me? Cormie, Cormie did. How about anybody else? You reject love of the world and it's agendas and its systems and its ways of doing things, its wickedness. But don't reject love for it. That's not what we're called to. Let me put it to you this way. We don't 
love the world by being like the world. We love the world by being salt and light for the world. That's how we love the world. That's what we're called to be. Set apart, standing apart from it, not like it, but at the same time being in it so that we can be the salt and light that our Savior equipped us and called us to be for it. Remember, he he said, I am the light of the world. But then he also said, you are the lights of the world. And I don't want you to hide your light. I don't want you to bury it under a, a bushel. I want you instead to proclaim it and shine it and show it forth. Let your light so shine before men, he said, that they may see your good works that stand in contrast to their evil works and that they may glorify your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the world. You're the preserving agent in this dark, wicked world. That's why I have you to stay in the world, Jesus would say. Christian, that's why Jesus left us on earth after we came to Him instead of just taking us to heaven. When you became a Christian, when you gave your life to Christ, He didn't just take you to heaven. I mean, you're you're sitting here right now. And, And that's the reason why. He didn't leave you in the world so that you would be like the world. He left you in the world so that you'd be salt and light for the world. And to do that, to do that, to be that salt and light, to love the people of the world but not the world system, we have to be on guard against the triple threat that constantly comes at us. And it's that triple threat that we will, Lord willing, talk about in great detail over the next three weeks. So I hope, I hope you make plans to be here. I think it's going to be a really important study. And, uh, and be praying. Be praying now. Okay? Be praying that God would prepare your heart and your mind to receive and really just soak up and apply what we talk about. We all need to do that. And, uh, and maybe there's somebody that God would lay on your heart to to invite, you know, to, uh, to bring with you that hasn't been part of the body for a while. Um, this would probably be good for that as well. So that's where we're headed. Uh, I'm praying about it. You pray about it with me. And uh, let's just be open to what God has to say to us in it. All right? Let's pray now. Father, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you. Thank you for how relevant your word just always is. Um, thank you for the Holy Spirit illuminating the Word and explaining it to us as we read it and interact with it. And I pray, Father, that what has been said today as we've started this series, this introductory message where we've really just laid the groundwork for where we're going to be the next three weeks, I pray that you would prime us all to hear from your Spirit, that we would be primed and ready to receive what He desires to say to us through His Word, through Your Word, through Your truth, and that more than just hearing it, more than just receiving it, that we would actually apply it. Because as James told us so accurately, it's not enough to just be hearers of the Word. We need to be doers also. So as we hear what You have to say to us relating to this triple threat that's constantly before us, 
Help us to hear it. Help us to process it. But please help us to apply it, to live it. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.